0: All right. All right. How's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. and Today, we're going to be talking with my new best friend, Leo Treadwell. Now, this is going to be a really fun and interesting conversation. Leo began his career as a corporate trainer at age 19, working with uh, Magic Pan International. He opened up a ton of restaurants in Southern California, had a ton of success, but by the age of 25, was diagnosed with a cancerous tumor in his lower back, and this was the catalyst which prompted him to begin studying self-healing human potential and mind hacking. From this point forward, Leo became a serial student for peak, for peak performance and mind-body medicine. Within six months of his diagnosis, Leo had developed his first iteration of his mind hacking technology autobiographical feedback. Now, with this, three months later, his tumor was gone. No surgery, no chemotherapy, no pharmaceuticals, nothing. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode. We're going to dig into... Leo's early life and how, you know, from his felony stealing a plane to strip dancing to drug dealing to ayahuasca's and temples, everything from that led to a great transformation and uh, obviously being a world leader in neuroscience. We're going to talk about how what the real causes of all of the world's problems really are and how it all comes back to the brain and mirror neurons and things like that. We'll dig into the science behind programming your brain and how to do it and how to change your personal consciousness so that you can actually change communal consciousness within the world. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to Amazon and buy the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now all right all right how's it going everybody welcome back to another episode of shit you don't learn in college i'm your host xander fryer and today we might have my new best friend on the call leo (laughs) Treadwell. leo welcome to the show man
1: hey thanks a lot man super appreciate it
0: i'm i'm uh i'm super jazzed to dig in with you not only have we made the uh uh, the trip to go, you know, live the the tropical lives. You're out in the the DR. I'm in Costa Rica, so we've got a lot of lot of commonalities there. You're riding around on a moto. I'm riding around on a quad. But we have a lot of similar ideas in terms of uh, how we view the world, what's important, what's not. So, um, you know, I'd love to just kind of jump right in, Leo. I'd love for you to give a little bit of a background around yourself before uh, frankly, I'm just going to take you down some fun rabbit holes that I think our audience is going to absolutely enjoy. So, uh, you, you now have the, I am the matrix you've got programs, you've got events, everything. We'll dig into that a little bit, but how did you get to this point? Because you've, you've had a very interesting set of life experiences that's brought you to here.
1: Yeah, man, it's it's for real, man. It's a lot of people have a hard time believing all of the stuff that I say that I've done in such a short amount of time, you know, 53 years, but, um, so I left home at a, at a young age. I was uh, adopted by my, my father. Um, had, you know, the typical traumatic childhood. that had me leave and go search for answers on my own. And um, yeah, 15 years old, you know, left home, uh, bought a sailboat. And 16, I bought my first convertible. And so I'm like living the Miami Vice lifestyle at uh, 16 years old, you know, back in the 80s. Like that's, I was just like, pfft. I'm um, be like a combination of like Don Johnson and Twenty One Jump Street, you know. So I, <laughs> I full on embodied that in every way possible. Got in a lot of trouble, a lot, a lot of trouble. Uh, was arrested for uh, felony for stealing an airplane from, actually, it's a police search plane I stole when I was uh, about seventeen years old. So even before I was an adult, and um, did some strip dancing, some some drug dealing, some just constant traveling all over the united states canada mexico everything you know i'd left school i was actually president of my class the the entire year before i quit school and the first semester of the year i quit school the the actual year i quit school so when i was doing great and everything i was just bored i was just bored unchallenged and you know it's like the the title of your of your show you know it's like the shit you don't learn in college like I was sitting there in school like, man, what am I doing wasting my time? Like, what am I doing here? You know? (laughs) So I left and I left Seattle and went down to San Diego, ended up opening six restaurants before I was uh, 22. And uh, then I started working for the largest over-the-counter brokerage firm in the country, JW Gantz at that time. And then at 25, I uh, had already purchased my first business and was selling my first business because I was just diagnosed with cancer. And wow. <clears throat> so, you know, like, bam, that was a lot of stuff that happened. Oh, and in between there, I was in a movie playing a Russian spy with John Travolta in a movie called The Experts. So man, a bunch of other stuff, just crazy off the chart stuff. So um,
0: so you did a couple of things your first few years alive, Your couple of decades. You had had some yeah. life experiences.
1: Well, that set the stage for everything else. You know, then I was like, yeah. well, heck, man, no. I mean, used to like this like, rapid fire freaking existence. So let's keep it going. So anyways, I was diagnosed, and I walked out of the hospital, and, and because of how I was raised primarily by my grandfather, who was my primary mentor, um, he had a big distrust in politics, a big distrust in our, the history of the world, a big distrust in doctors. So after my diagnosis, I walked out, and I was like, you know what, I got a couple of choices here. Either I could steal a Ferrari and rob a bank and drive to Mexico and just see what happens. Uh, or I could focus on trying to heal myself or I could walk back into the uh, hospital and um, let them take care of me. So I went home, talked to my friends and they said, uh, well, first of all, why don't you stop doing the cocaine, put the Jack Daniels down, put the pizza away, get rid of that monstrous TV that you bought that's bigger than the ones at the sports bars. where You're sitting around watching Michael Jordan play every single day, getting lit up, try getting a little bit healthy. And then, uh, go do some mushrooms. And I was like, mushrooms. I was like, what are you crazy. I was like, I'm not going to jump up a building or something like that. Cause I think I can fly and kill myself. And my friends were like, dude, like seriously, you're doing everything wrong. Like, just clean yourself up and open up your mind and, you know, apply some of that, that fire you have in your life to, to, you know, making yourself a better person. So I took their advice and I said, okay, so Started running, losing a little bit of weight. I put the cigarettes down. I got rid of my 90-ounce coffee cup that I carried with me everywhere. And in uh, a couple of weeks of uh, kind of cleaning myself up, I said, okay, you know what I got to lose? Go take some mushrooms, bring a Snickers bar with me. And uh, boy, the Snickers bar tasted terrible too. I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need an orange or something, you know? It was the first time in my life I ever had a, like a bad experience with um, – with sugar but at any rate that that bah, just opened me up and i had an nde man like it was just a like total like my life flashed before my eyes yeah. and uh got these downloads of information like crazy and uh literally literally xander I, the next day i started my first 30-day cleanse like wow. i was just got this like christ download like you know like go heal yourself and it was crazy it's like it, there wasn't even a drop of discipline i needed it was just like this is what i'm gonna do you yeah. know like phew, my life changed and everybody around me was like what the hell happened to you man and i was just spouting off all of this information that people never heard me say before and i started downloading or not downloading but diving into and just crunching books we didn't have the internet at that time so i was just like reading everything i could get my hands on seriously i had like 20 30 books from the library and, and tape cassettes that i was listening to all <clears> the time and Started studying Deepak, Tony Robbins and all these guys and I realized like, man, if I implement all this stuff that these guys are telling me to do, I'm going to be spending like all day long visualizing, all day long meditating, all day long doing affirmations. I was like, what the hell? Like this is – it's all great. I believe it all. It all makes sense to me but
0: who has the time? You know? I'm never, I'm never going to get any shit done. By the time I'm finished all of that, I'm going to have to eat dinner and go to sleep.
1: Yeah, exactly, you know, and, and I was cool with my rituals I was setting up and stuff like that, but I'm a systems guy, and I was always yeah. thinking, like, how do I create a system out of this? So I created this uh, language, Autobiographical Feedback, which takes mnemonics and, and gematria and all of the neuro associated linguistic programming, everything we know about mind-body medicine, all that stuff, and I began to encode what everyone was teaching into this language. And within three months, man, no tuna. gone. Wow. And it was the size of a softball. And that changed my life, and it really got me looking more at getting to the field of mind-body medicine, training, coaching, uh, making a positive impact in the world. And at that time, man, I was like so brainwashed from that NDE and all of that stuff that I really thought we can create heaven on earth. I mean, I was like, wow, we can do this. If this, if it changed my life this much, and we got these types of technologies that are out there, why aren't people talking about them? I, I was on fire, and then. You know, I got into the industry, trained the military, was training law enforcement, was doing seminars. With you know, I had a company at the time uh, called uh, Mind Over Matrix, and we did seminars in all across the United States, Florida, Denver, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Diego, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was really getting disenfranchised. My 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 thoughts of like heaven on earth turned into why am I sharing the stage with all of these? chucksters these guys that are just saying the same thing that everybody else is saying and all they care about is money they're pretending to be happy and excited and telling everybody healthy and they're selling their green drinks from stage and then as soon afterwards they go to the banker room and they're just diving into all of this crap and cussing and going to the strip clubs i was like what kind of mess is this so i decided to go i just i got out of the industry i said i'm out and um I had a lot of you know personal experience, et cetera, et cetera. Then when COVID hit. Interesting story, if you don't mind, if I share a little bit. Oh, I was, it was uh, it, okay, I was uh, visiting the DR for like twelve years. Every winter I would just come down here for like four months and um just get out of the Seattle area and you know, get some life, some music, some vibrancy, some freedom. Yeah. And uh so I'm down and I'm I'm getting ready to leave. My time was up. It was like, uh, you know, probably the first week of March or something like that. And I'm sitting in this beautiful little restaurant called Fresh Fresh. And uh, I'm someone was rapping about some, something to do with my body medicine. And I started talking. And all of a sudden, this whole group of people was around me listening. just like, wow, dude, like, you should do a talk at this place called the Body Temple sometime. And I'm like, well, I'm out of here in a couple of days. And um, some guy gets on the phone, calls up the owner of the Body Temple and says, we you set up this guy to come in and talk, like, within the next couple days? And uh, they told me, hey, you can go in there tomorrow if you want. And I was like, I haven't spoken about this stuff in years, in years. I was like, sure, why not? I said, but I'm, you know, I'm leaving in a couple days, like I said. So at that time, I was on a two-year commitment of a of meditation. Like, no coffee, no, no substances, meditating two hours a day. I was doing a passion every three months or so and um just really hitting that hard enjoying blending this just pure life pure mind and blending that with my work so i'm like programming my mind and then i'm cleansing my mind programming my mind cleansing my mind just really building from the ground up so i'm doing this talk and the place was packed i could not believe he's like man we've never had more people and it's like a one day notice i can't even believe this and i was like jesus this is exciting so after the talk um the guy that owned the place says, hey, you know, by the way, I'm sure it's very similar where you live. We got shamans everywhere, right? You know, doing all of this stuff. Yeah. So this guy, this guy from South America uh, happened to be in town and they uh, commandeered a cave at the top of a mountain out in the jungle where they were going to do a ceremony the next day. And I said, and they were like, you should come with. And I was like, man, I'm on this Vipassana thing. I'm not doing anything. I was like, you know, I've, I've done ayahuasca. I've done all the combo, etc., 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 but distinctly. And I said, besides, I'm uh, when I leave, I'm I'm flying to Egypt, and that's a long flight, and I got plans that I've got. And they're like, "Can we go to Egypt with you?" And I'm like, "How's all this stuff happening so fast?" So I was like, "Okay, screw it, I'll go do ayahuasca. If you guys are going to come to Egypt with me the next day, let's 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 roll." Everybody's it doing like-
0: it, yeah. Let's do it together. Yeah, well,
1: it's like here's this big talk, then ayahuasca in the cave and the mountain, and then the next day I'm going to be flying to Egypt. I'm like, and. I knew the moment I got back from Egypt, when I landed the, off the plane, I was driving straight to a Vipassana center. Yeah. Like literally getting off the plane, going straight to a Vipassana center. So it's was like, boom, you know, fit this talk, doing ayahuasca, going to Egypt, which my intention was <clears throat> to go pay the military off and go into the Great Pyramid and set an intention for an NGO I wanted to create here in Cabarete. So when I told these guys, they're like, like seriously, it was like I was like yeah, and they're like, you think you can do that? I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. I've got friends who've done things like that before. I have friends who've actually done ayahuasca ceremonies in the Great Pyramid and the King's Chamber, you know, all night by paying off the military. So I'm sure I can go in there for half an hour. And so I went up there with a lot of confidence. I brought these guys with me, and uh, sure enough, we did that. And um, flew home. They went back to Cabarete DR. I went into the Bapashana. And on the last day when they when the guy got up and started talking, he said, hey, everybody can talk now. Basically, he said, he said, yo, we have a global pandemic. They're shutting down all the airports. Anybody needs to get out of here better do it. And I was like, what am I going to do, drive home or go back to the airport? Because I was planning on going to Chitsunitsu on Spring Equinox. So I was literally going to get out of the thing and then drive back to the airport and go to Chitsunitsu, and then come back and, and to my home in Seattle. And I called my buddy that I was going to be meeting at Chitsunitsu And I said, uh, what do you want to do? And he's like, dude, I'm buying food, masks, weapons. What? I was just like all this stuff. And he's like, "And I'm, I'm, I'm heading apocalypse. up to like a bush. Apocalypse. Yeah, apocalypse, And I was like, seriously, you don't want to go down the mix? He's like, no. And I was like, okay, I am I think I'm going to go back to Cabaretto. Nice. So I just left my business, left everything. And I've been here for three years now. And... Um, <laughs>
0: This is is how Leo gets to where he is now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just by the seat of my pants. But what was awesome, so we set that intention for the NGO and came back. And of course, it's crazy in town with everybody freaking out, going and buying food and filling up water bottles with gasoline. People are just going crazy thinking the whole world's going to come down. And uh, I immediately went to – so what brought me to Cabarette to begin with is – First, you know the Sea of Life, but also they have a great Jiu Jitsu school down here. So I, I came down and specifically trained at this Jiu Jitsu school, where they had UFC fighters and stuff, you know, training and, and going into the UFC pro. That and kite surfing and surfing, etc. So I went to the uh, Jiu Jitsu instructor and I said, "Hey, man," and who I'd already talked to about the NGO. He's Dominican, and I said, "Yo, I think this is a great time to get this thing going." So I threw some money in it, and then we created Cabarette Sostenible. And we fed 10,000 people a week for six months. And it was amazing. It's one of the greatest times of my life, getting involved with the community and going into the barrios and getting to know everybody here in such a short amount of time. It was so emotionally enriching. It's really hard to explain, but that's kind of how I set my base, stepping into this town. And um, yeah, so I've been rattling on for like 20 minutes or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, but i was I always like these stories because it really shows a lot of how people get to where they are. And one of the things that you kind of mentioned several several times throughout that story, Leo, uh, you talked about thoughts. You talked about intentions. You talked yes. about the energy. You talked about all this sort of stuff. And I think this is where I'd I'd love to start to dig in with you, right? because, you know, we talked about uh, before we actually got on this call and started recording, we were talking about all the existential threats that are going on in the world right now. You know, everything from AI to pandemics, to nuclear war, to energy crises, to uh, economic meltdowns. Right. And you know, one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, where does wh- where is this all coming from? How are we in this situation? Right. And I'd, I'd love for you because, you know, you have a very unique perspective on this. I'd love to understand your thoughts on this.
1: Awesome, thank you. You know, obviously, I love the talk. So, a <clears throat> um, couple of things. I think that we our primary issues, some of the our primary issues, and as we mentioned before, we started uh, wrapping here, is that uh, I'm more of a cause person, not a symptoms person. Yes. Yeah. So and whenever people are like, you know, oh, inflation, or oh, the Fed's raising this, or whatever, it's like, you know, we got the we have a fake economy. You know, there's there's nothing yeah. behind our our dollars. So. Stop talking about all the other stuff, you know, until we address that, none of this stuff matters, you know. So when I look at the cause and things, the first thing is that, you know, you and I are walking around with these extremely high-tech bio suits that, you know, the computation power of the brain is capable of having hundreds of billions of computations per second, totally underutilized. We have hundreds of trillions of neural connections, totally underutilized. Every gram of DNA can hold up to 215 petabytes of information, totally underutilized. And we're walking around with these bio suits that, that like, nature doesn't make badass stuff like this for no reason. It doesn't. Like, we got these, we are badass, multidimensional vehicles that we're walking around in right now. We're just like, what's going on? You know, like, (laughs) what are we doing, you know? So part of the problem is is that we're looking around and I'm looking at Xander and I'm I'm not, but people are looking at Xander and saying, hey, that's Xander. He's different than me. No, he's not. He is you. So our our whole foundation of how we see ourselves in relationship to the world around us is like just off, off kilter. Yeah. And We wouldn't have such a competitive and competition's great. I like competition. I'm a jiu-jitsu player, lots of things I compete in. But to have a competitive mentality about everything that we have right now is so self-destructive. So beginning with the idea that we got these high-tech bio suits and we're acting like dipshits. And then the second part is, you know, we're not, you know, seeing reality as it is in truth. We all share one mind, you know, one mind that we share. And we got all these this is amazing high tech to, to experience being a human being. So that's a big problem right there. We're, we're not seeing the truth of what's going on through those eyes on, on the daily. Why do, you,
0: why do you think we have trouble seeing that, right? We have these, you know, these individualized perspectives of life, right? Like you and I are different people. You know, I, I, I'm so focused on that scarcity of like I got I to take care of my physical needs to stay alive, that sort of stuff.
1: Well, you know, I mean, geez, there's a lot of, so I'm going to say the simple, acceptable answer, I guess, right off the top, which is our limbic system, the reptilian brain, the fight or flight mechanism that's designed to notice differences instead of similarities in order for survival, you know? It's basically to keep you
2: alive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we throw everything out. We throw everything out just to to stay alive, you know, like, "Ah, screw reality. I need to stay alive. Yeah. Um, but it's incredible when we think about all the different scientific studies that have been done as an example, like I was with a guy last night, one of my students and, um, he was telling me about some, some challenges he's having right now with, um, stepping into having hope, you know, he's, he's, all these things are starting to go good for him now. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm getting freaked out. I almost want to run away and go back to, you know, life sucking because, if I hope that this keeps going this way and it doesn't go this way, I don't know if I can handle it.
0: Then I'm, then I'm yeah, it's going to be traumatic for me. Yeah.
1: It's going to be traumatic, exactly. So I said, well, I said, tell me some of the things that you're concerned about right now. He was talking about family and reconnecting with his father and so on and so forth. And I uh, said, I really want to do it, but I just got this anger and this aggression. And I said, okay, well, listen, if I took a s- saliva sample from you right now, and I mixed it with some water and gave it to a little mouse, that mouse would run away and go play afterwards. But if I had you sit there and visualize and think about your father and with that, that aggressive attitude, and then I took a saliva sample and I mixed it with a little bit of water and fed it to a mouse, that mouse would get sick and possibly die. Why? Well, because your unconscious mind knows that when you're thinking of your father, it's actually you. So you're you're actually killing yourself you're programming
0: yourselves with that thought.
1: Yeah, exactly. And because because your mind, the the part of you that doesn't see you as you, doesn't identify with your identity, that knows the totality and the greatness of who you are, that part's like running on autopilot, being like, "I'm I'm," you know, creating poison inside of myself because I hate myself. Basically, yeah. what it comes down to. And you know, we can see the same thing if somebody gives somebody a gift the person who gets the gift their serotonin levels rise the person who's giving the gift their serotonin levels rise the person watching the gift being given serotonin levels yeah. rise you know so we can see this in mirror neurons in the brain we can see it with the 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 neurites in the heart we have all these ways and entanglements double split it's like there's so much information that shows we're connected i don't even know why we talk about it you know, it's just like it's, it's you trying to tell me Leo that this is
0: not pseudoscience this is this is real oh. science <laughs>
1: yeah like, how many times have we gotta, you know, realize that a probability amplifies because we put our attention on some something, and then the, yeah. because of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, things change. You know? okay. Yeah,
0: and, and and I think you know, I think the the good news is I ramble about that enough on this podcast to for people to know. Like, look, what you put your thoughts on, what you put your energy on, can and will become reality. So, I yeah. think my next question for you is: it, it sounds like you've developed a way that beyond Deepak and Tony and all these people, where it could take a day and a half every single day to to get to that point. You you've developed a way to start to reprogram that that brain, that subconscious mind to and you know your your DNA, your cells, your whole central nervous system really. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I tell people in the book, and, and shit you don't learn in college, is like, you know, we we have this supercomputer, yet, you know, none of us were given a a, a user's manual on how to use it, how to program it, everything like that. We're giving users manuals for our remote control when we get a new TV, but not for our brain, right? And it, you've developed a way to actually for people to actually do that. Can we talk about that a little bit? Can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yes. Thank you for, uh, thank you for bringing that up. I and mean, that's 100% correct. 100% correct. I wouldn't be on the show. I wouldn't be talking about this stuff if I, if I wasn't bringing something new to the table. So you know, we know that pa- interrupting our patterns of thought. That's the first step, interrupting those old that old programming. But then the next part is understanding how do I create these new associations, these new neural networks. Okay? Well, I'm a very systems guy, as I've mentioned this several times before, and I use my intellect to solve the issues of my heart and everything else. I just like, let me figure this out. So I first want to go back to your previous question, because it actually ties in with this. So the first reason is because we see ourselves as disconnected from everything else around us. The second reason why we have this mess that we're living in with all these existential threats is because we have uh, 8 billion people on the planet, each one with 6,000 thoughts, creating a total of 48 trillion prayers that we're sending out, creating tomorrow, 48 trillion threads that are weaving the tapestry of material reality And 48 trillion seeds that we're planting are probabilities that will amplify tomorrow. So if we are aware that what we focus on expands and we're running these programs that are just repeating, it's not that history repeats itself. We repeat ourselves. We're the ones repeating everything. We're living in a, like if you ask a good neuroscientist or a quantum physicist to describe what the human body is from both perspectives, they'll say you're a non-localized self-referring cybernetic feedback loop. What's that mean? It means you're everywhere at once. The atoms in your body are are expanding and collapsing, expanding and collapsing. You're everywhere at once, right? Um, So you're non-local. You're self-referring. Everything you're looking at is you. Cybernetic, that's the the neural networks. And then in a feedback loop. So this this is constant story, feedback, feedback, feedback. So it's interrupting that larger global story. Now, how do you do that? Okay, so unfortunately, there's a lot of science. But here's the fucking manual. Here's how it works. It's the truth. Here's how it works. We have about 40 trillion thinking and feeling cells in our bodies, right? If I have the thought, I'm thirsty, I want to have a drink of water, that's because there's this messenger molecule constantly flowing through my body called angiotensin 2. It's checking in with all the receptor sites on the cells in the body, constantly saying, yo, you guys dehydrated? Nope. Dehydrated now? Nope. Dehydrated now? Nope. Dehydrated now? Then you have this one of your 6,000 thoughts is, I'm thirsty. So that's why we have these 6,000 thoughts a day, because all of these cells are thinking. And we have messenger molecules for every area of our life that we can possibly imagine. And so so how do we change our personal consciousness? Because you got to start with that before we change global consciousness. So we have to understand the mechanics. Okay, so i got 40 trillion thinking and feeling cells. I have 24 hours in a day. I've got 6,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of math, a lot of numbers we're trying to put together here, okay? So then we got to look at cellular reproduction and gene expression. So I know that the cells that are replaceable in my brain are replaced in about two, three months. I know that the cells that are replaceable inside of my heart are done in about six months. My stomach lining, three months. So when I think about the parts of me that think and feel, I got my stomach lining, for sure, the GI tract and all that stuff that's down there. I got my brain. I got my heart. I got the endocrine system that's, you know, the thymus line behind the heart. All of these hormone-producing glands, my hypothalamus. All right. So 6,000 thoughts a day. If I want to reach a critical mass in my own thinking to change, to get to that critical mass to create that change, like the 100th monkey or the tipping point, right? I know it's somewhere between 10 and 20%. Let's just say 20% got 24 hours in a day. So I know I got to have 20% of my day has to be thinking and feeling differently hmm. if I want to be consistently creating this change. Well, if I lump it out and I say, all right, so let's say six months for the brain, the heart, the, you know, many organs, many things inside of the body are replaced within six months. So I say, okay, for six months, 20% of my day, I got to be thinking and feeling differently. So that I'm, I know those cells are being replaced. How do I know? Because we got this, this, these brilliant, brilliant medical doctors and and scientists and explorers like Dr. Candace Pert, who discovered the receptor sites, who discovered and understood that the membrane is the brain it's the receptor sites on the cell, and then when my if if I'm let's say I, I uh man, dude, my wife is amazing. I met my wife right, and um, <clears throat> Dominican attorney. She worked for the last two presidents. Amazing woman beautiful hilarious just great when i met her and i was like i was like you're mine i'm gonna make you mine no matter what you know she's like you're fucking weird dude (laughs) when i was talking about all the stuff i talk about it's like well you're gonna have to get used to it but i knew like when i was hanging out with her i was like okay so i'm creating all these new emotions and these new chemicals like i'm i'm on fire i'm just feeling so alive well i know and this is a big part of it, the knowing and the believing, the psychoneuroimmunology, psychoneuroendocrinology, and the aspects of belief and how it affects our body. But I knew, which then amplifies the power, that as my hypothalamus and my endocrine system is creating all these loving feelings, of serotonin and oxytocin and dopamine and all that stuff, based on the work of Candace Perk, when those cells are getting hit with all of these good peptides and transmitters and hormones, Right. Those cells are like, dude, we're not used to taking this much love. Yeah. My emotional thermostat wants to drop back down, right? I need to self-sabotage this or something. Not They'll me because I know yeah. what's up. Yeah. yeah, I know what's up. I know, okay, so these cells that are getting hit with all this good juju right now, what they are telling the cells that are coming behind them during the process of mitosis and reproduction, yo, be born with more receptor sites that are going to be able to receive more love.
0: Because we got to so handle more. We got to handle more. We got to handle
1: more. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like living in Costa Rica, you get down there like, this is great. How good can I stand it? Like, man, this is wonderful. I'm,
0: I'm literally counting down the months right now. I'm like, all right, we've been here for two and a half months. Give me another four and a half months and I'm going to be a completely new person. Sell to sell.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So the same thing happens in reverse, too. You know, if you get depressed or somebody's abusing your abusive relationship, whatever, you can start to get addicted to those negative feelings. So mm. going back to shifting the crisis, the global existential threats, understanding how to use this body mind, this, this suit, this biotech that we've got here, understanding the science, interrupting our patterns frequently enough in order to create those new, uh, new cellular memory coming in, the new epigenetic model. And at the same time, creating a new neural pathway. So I created this language, as I've mentioned before, that's constantly interrupting my pattern and upgrading my emotional state and my mental focus. Constantly, constantly, constantly. And so I think, first of all, we got to get 20% of us, each individual to change. And then we got to move towards 20% of the global population. So our work right now, we're translating into the top 25 languages on the planet. And uh, we're really moving at a rapid rate to get this out there. We've we got French, German, Spanish, uh, Russian, Ukrainian, a whole bunch of languages we're in the process of translating this work into right now. And I'm pretty certain that a few months, maybe a year, maybe a little bit longer, once this work gets out there, it's going to revolutionize the entire human development industry because information is great, but if you can't implement it, who cares? Who cares? You know, we got to move from the age of information to the age of implementation. That's, that's something I say. All the
0: live time. it. You we have gotta, to live it. You have to feel it. It has to be within the cells. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a real deal. I can read books and listen to tapes and all that stuff. And if I can apply this stuff, sure. It makes it a difference for a little while, but I need that consistent wife in my life to keep that bop, 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 bop going, you know? So, yeah. yeah.
0: I love that, man, dude. I, you know I think and we you and I talked about this, we're gonna to have to have you on this podcast a second time to dig in this uh, a bit more at some point. but one one last question that I got for you, um, you know if you were to if you were to kind of dig into a little bit of like this new system of how you're actually implementing it, how would you describe it? What makes it so effective? just so everybody's aware? Uh, and then after that, I'd love to kind of send people to you know your website so that we can actually you know now that we know the problem, now we understand why it's not working. how can we get some solutions to this?
1: Sure, sure. Well, so you're asking a question that I'll do my best to answer. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, we live in language and we're meaning making machines. So everything is language, whether it's positive and negative charge on an atom or whether it's uh, the smell of roses as I'm walking on the street. It's all sensory uh, acuity that's coming in and going out of the body. So knowing that everything in the universe is language, it's all language, and the fundamental language of the universe is numbers. And for some reason, going all the way back to Mesopotamia, these people knew that. They were creating the Sanskrit, Egyptian hieroglyphs, the Aztec and Mayan hieroglyphs, um, Arabic, Hebrew. All of these languages had a numeric language encoded within it that the mystics, the elitists, the the occultists, they would understand and be able to use these languages and read the Torah, read the Kabbalah, read the the Bible, many, many, many other types of sacred texts that they were able to read that the average person was not able to read.
0: Okay. Take it, take it beyond well, the conscious
1: mind. Taken beyond the conscious mind because when you start linking imagery to when you start linking the left and the right side of the brain, when you have numbers that are associated to imagery. <laughs> uh, contextualizations, emotions, timelines. See, we have six known dimensions within our body that we could discuss on another podcast. And when we get those dimensions of the body involved in whole systems of the brain, all cortexes, both hemispheres, skipping right past the reptilian brain. This whole language is designed to bypass the, the reptilian brain and the fight or flight mechanism. Why? because it's training the brain to be moving towards pleasure instead of away from pain. Yeah, It goes to the choice maker instead of the reactor, the creator instead of the reactor. So if we take etymology, uh, the etymology of words, paleolinguistic anthropology, and then look at gematria, which is the science of taking any language and putting it into a numeric code. Then when I'm out and about, like I was saying to you earlier, I'm driving to this restaurant this morning, and I'm seeing cars and addresses and this, et cetera, et cetera. Why do I see those? Well, your buggy that you have. <clears throat> so I've got, I got a 2022 Shongong. You know what a Shangons are? Do they sell them there? No. It's like the Chinese knockoffs of BMW and Lexus. Anyway. Yeah. I never saw one of them things in my life. And the moment we bought one, they're everywhere. Probably yeah. like you with your buggy. You know, you probably see your buggy everywhere. Anybody's got anything similar to it. So we got this part of our brain called the reticular activation system that notices things that we care about. So when you begin to create a language about stuff that you super care about, and it's encoded in numbers, then you begin to see that language everywhere. Yeah. So I see it everywhere, and it's repatterning, repatterning, repatterning. Now, if I'm having a great day and I don't want to be, you know, bothered with anything or whatever, I don't look, I don't pay attention. But if I'm like, you know what? Like we were talking about earlier, how good can I stand it? I want to keep bumping this up, bumping this up. And if I know what I focus on expands, why wouldn't I want to create anchors everywhere outside of me, external anchors that will weave my entire brain and body mind in a way that's moving towards pleasure and the dreams, desires, and the person I'm born to be.
0: I love it, man. There you go. I love it. So I, I want to get more people involved in your world because I think more people just need some of that energy. They need some of that programming. Where can people learn more about you, about The Matrix, get involved with some of your programs, Leo?
1: Thank you. Yeah. So check out Iamthematrix.com. I am The Matrix because we're not victims of The Matrix. We're creating this thing, right? We can yeah. do better than this for sure. And uh, I got a promo code for, for you and your friends. That's capital F, capital N, capital F. Friends and family, FNF. The 25% off the first program. It's called the Great Spiritual Reset. It's part one it. in a three-part series of the Language of Enlightenment.
0: Dude, Leo, I appreciate it, man. This is this is right up our alley, and the shit you don't learn in college, family. I think everybody's gonna love that because reprogramming your brain, your nervous system, your cells—you know—this truly is the path to, to solving, in my opinion, most of the world's problems. If you can do it yourself first, and then obviously we can get more people to do it. Uh, I think we're on the right path. So I appreciate that, man. And nice uh, for, for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, uh, make sure to go check out I Am The Matrix. And don't forget to grab your book, The Shit You Don't Learn in College book on Amazon, number one bestseller as well. Leo, thanks a ton for being on. We're going to have to get you on a second time so we can go much, much deeper, my friend. Thanks for being here.
1: Right on, Sander. Thank you. And I'll come out and visit you. And if you're ever here, definitely. Yep. let's
0: hook up. Come hang out, man. Come hang out. I'll take you around on the quad. <laughs> all right. <laughs> thanks, Leo. Cheers.